Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. And uh, I asked them to sing this song because this song uh, ties into what I want to say this morning. But it, worship isn't something you watch. Worship is something you do. And I don't know, you know, I, I recognize I'm getting older. And I, I do know that hearing's one of the first things to go. But if you were singing this morning, I, did, I couldn't hear you. Now, maybe it's where I was sitting and this thing is turned around and it's blasting in my ear. Maybe. But I sat there in the eight o'clock service and we had the same problem. So this song is a prayer. It's an acknowledgement that God is at work and that I really want him to work in me. And it was nice these folks sung it. They did great. They all dressed in white and they looked lovely and they sang lovely. But that don't work for me. That prayer's got to come from me. And so this morning, I, I, want, I want you to sing it. Now, we've got the words up on the screen. If you can't, uh, if you can't get it just right, just moan when you get to that part. But, but let, let, let this song be an expression of the desire of your spirit. God is at work in the world. He is always at work in the world. And man, I want him to be at work in my spirit as well. All right? So, you know, I used to go like this and have this side sing, and then I'd go and have this side sing, and... I did that just to get everybody to sing. But you're all mature, you're all handsome, you're all good looking, you're all dressed fine, you smell fine, everything's taken care of. Now we just want to open up and let God do his work in us. Amen. And so I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, I know that uh, we sing good sitting down sometimes and sometimes we only sing when we standing up. Whatever helps you. I want you to do that, and let's express our desire for God to work in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. God is
my prayer. God is you had in store for us today. May become our reality. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. The good news for people who sell bad news is that there's a lot of it to sell. I don't know if you heard the story of the Australian jogger who purportedly was shot in the back by three bored Oklahoma teenagers. And of course, the news is dominated with Syria and nerve gas the possibilities of citizens, mostly women and children, being affected by their leader. And of course, we have the mess in Japan, the toxic waste, waters flooding the nearby Pacific Ocean, and the list goes on and on, not to mention all the stuff that's happening in our own backyards. The truth is that every so often we get a glimpse of a different world. 
like the school clerk from uh, near Atlanta who talked a man with an AK-47, AK-47, out of shooting up a school because she was so inspired by a sermon by her pastor to share her story and her own struggle. And when she did, she prevented bloodshed. The weakness of words and the power of the Spirit can change news. She turned bad news into good news. Every now and then, even with bullets in the back or nerve gas or radioactive waste, good news swallows up bad news. And life can swallow up death. Jesus told us that on our journey, on our journey on this planet, that that journey would be fraught with difficulties. He made it very plain in John 16 and 33. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And sometimes we ask why. Why? And my response is because this world order is designed for struggle. It is a world that is designed for stress and for difficulty. When societies are built on lust for power and greed and manipulation, and when the center of the universe is me, my wants, my will, my desires, my comfort, my, my wishes. How can there be anything else but trials and sorrows and tribulations if the world evolves around me? The coming of Jesus to this earth was, was God's attempt to give to his human creation, a glimpse, just a glimpse, three year, 33 year, just a glimpse of how to live life in a world that's off kilter. Every word he spoke, every deed he performed was intended to instruct us, to educate us, to model for us what a life lived under the rulership of God would look like. And learning from Jesus for the original 12 or the group that began with him on those first days of his ministry must have been extremely exciting. Learning from Jesus how to live life in a world that's out of sync with God. Those followers must have been ecstatic until... Until Jesus says, I'm going to have to leave you. And those words sent panic through the entire being of each of his followers. Just the words, I'm going to have to leave you. It's one thing to live life under the rule of God when Jesus is near. When you can see him and touch him 
and hear him. But it's a whole new story if, if Jesus is not near, if he's not present. It's like, it's like us. It's, it's like all those things we promise God when we're in church on Sunday morning. And everything's feeling good. The music's good. Preaching's good. Saints are good. Everything is just good. And God seems so close. This is good. And then Tuesday comes. And Tuesday is another story. The feeling is gone. The sermon is forgotten. The folks on the job ain't hugging me and singing come by y'all. It's just a different world altogether. It's in those moments that we tend to not sense the presence of Jesus. But notice what Jesus says at this point to his followers who were feeling like Jesus was about to abandon them. In John 14, 16, in the contemporary English version, it says this. Then I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who will help you and always be with you. That same verse in the New Living Translation. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. The same verse in the English Standard Version. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Same verse in the Revised Standard Version. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Same verse in the Message Version. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend, so you will always have someone with you. Five translations. Five different descriptions of what Jesus promised to send his followers. And you would say, which one is right? And I would say, they're all right. Because what the Father sends us fulfills every single one of those descriptions. The word in the original is paraclete. And it means one called alongside. One called alongside one sent from heaven to support the followers of God in the face of a hostile world one sent from heaven to be with God's followers on Tuesday mornings one sent to help those who attempt to live out God's values in the midst of enemy territory And then notice what Jesus says next to them. He says, this paraclete would not only be alongside you, he will be in you. In other words, God's spirit living in human temples. That's what Jesus promises. 
You won't be without me, he is saying. I will not only pray for the spirit of the Trinity to come and be with you, but he will be in you. I know whenever we start talking about the Holy Spirit, atmospheres tend to change. Uh, (laughs) It all depends on where you come from. People from charismatic traditions start feeling like, okay, now we're getting to the real stuff. This is what these folks need. Now we're getting to where the rubber meets the road. What these folks need is the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And people from non-charismatic traditions start feeling, oh, oh my goodness, this this is not comfortable for me. Uh, Holy Spirit, isn't isn't that what makes people roll on the floor and... Swing from chandelier to chandelier and run around the church. Oh, this this doesn't feel, this scares me. I think it's a great thing that Pastor Murphy has, has decided to do a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, a lot of our misunderstandings and confusions will get cleared up from that. But But my job today, what he asked me to do today was to introduce the subject. And I I cannot introduce the subject without us putting the Holy Spirit in his proper place. Amen. One of the problems we have with the Holy Spirit is we don't know how to picture him. We know what a father looks like. And we know what a son looks like. But what does the spirit look like? And the Bible doesn't help us. Because when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, it talks in symbols. It tells us the Holy Spirit is like a dove. Or a mighty wind. Or tongues of fire. Or new wine. Or oil. But those are things that describe what he is like, not what he is. We get very confused about the Holy Spirit. I remember I grew up in a church that would be called a Pentecostal church. Yeah, Holy Roller Church. I've seen them roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew up there as a little boy. I know exactly. I know exactly. I know the doctrine, the behavior. I know it all. I've been there, been there, been there. And I've been there sitting, asking God, what sin have I committed that is so great that your spirit does not move on me like it moves on them? What have I done? And then I grew up. And when I grew up, I realized that's not an indication of the spirit. That's a response 
that there are all kinds of responses to the Spirit. Some people cry when they sense the presence of the Spirit. Some people laugh when they sense the presence of the Spirit. Some people do nothing. They just sit there and the Spirit is burning up inside them, but they just sit there. There's all kind of responses to the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we lock him in to only one kind of manifestation, and this is the only way that the Spirit moves, we are not being true to what the Bible reveals about the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a person. It's not an influence. It's not an it. He is a person. He is a part of the Trinity. He is as much God as God the Father and God the Son are God. And he functions within the Godhead in his own unique way, contributing to the perfect oneness that exists Within the three. Some of the most intriguing thoughts about the Godhead are penned by a man named Dale Bruner in his book called The Holy Spirit, the shy member of the Trinity. And in his his uh, revelation, he says, what 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 I mean by shy is not timidity. Like we, when we think of shy, we think of that word to mean timidity. He said, but that's not what I mean when I talk about the Holy Spirit being shy. He says, what I mean is that the Holy Spirit defers. It is the deference of the Holy Spirit. Not a shyness of self-centeredness, but a shyness of other-centeredness. He's always moving toward the rest of the Godhead. In reality, when you're honest, the scriptures only gives us a few statements about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us about three. He says in chapter 14 and verse 26, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Notice that the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Not to himself. In John 15 and 26, Jesus says, when the counselor comes, he will bear witness to me. The Holy Spirit bears witness to Jesus, not to himself. In John 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit does not seek glory for himself, but only seeks the glory of of Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit's at work, the question is who's being glorified? If Jesus is not being glorified, then the Holy Spirit is not at work. That's inconsistent with what the scripture says his role is. He withdraws from sight and he points to Jesus, saying in essence, notice him. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. Fall in love with him. Be preoccupied with him. Never does the Holy Spirit say anything about me. 
The whole ministry of the Spirit is not to draw attention to himself, but to keep drawing the followers of Jesus back to Jesus. But here's the interesting thing. Notice how Jesus interacts with the Spirit. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 12, the scripture says that Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. In other words, Jesus submits to the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, notice how Jesus submits to the Father. Not my will, but your will be done. And what you pick up from Jesus is the same kind of shyness. The Holy Spirit has this other-centeredness. Jesus has this other-centeredness. And then there's the Father. Twice in what are called the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Twice we hear the voice of the Father. Once when Jesus is baptized and once at the Mount of Transfiguration when he is revealed all of his glorious radiance. And both times, what does the Father say? This is my beloved Son. I am deeply pleased with him. Listen to him. The major fact that the Father wants the world to know is that all that we need, we have in God, the Son. It's worth noticing that the voice from heaven does not say, hey, when you finish listening to him, listen to me. It doesn't say, hey, don't forget, I'm up here. I'm the big chief. Notice me. But the Father shows the same kind of shyness. Indifference to the Son. The whole Trinity, the Blessed Trinity, is shy. The Blessed Trinity shows how we are to live by the way in which they live in harmony, three in one. You never hear of any point anywhere in the Scripture where one says to the other, I'm more omnipotent than you. But there is this humbleness of the Trinity, each submitting to the other, each fulfilling their role together. God the Father exalts the Son. The Son submits to the will of the Father. God the Father sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit points people to the Son. And the son says it's really a good thing that the spirit is going to come because when the spirit comes, you'll have friendship to be with you all of the rest of your life. God exists as father, son, and spirit, a community in great humility and servanthood and mutual submission and delight with one another. The whole trinity. Shy. The whole trinity. In you. What a God. So what is Jesus saying when he says, I'll ask the Father to send to you the Holy Spirit? He is saying that when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have what you need to be brave in the face of devastating circumstances. I don't know what your circumstances are today. And I don't know if there's a bit of fear in there. 
But I want you to know that when you allow the Holy Spirit to have his place in you, you will find that you have bravery beyond anything you ever dreamed that you could have. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, Jesus says you have an advocate to plead your cause, no matter how momentous the charges might be. God living in you. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have access to incredible wisdom to help you make right choices in a world that's hostile to God. You say, I, I think our problem is that we don't listen to the Spirit in us. I think we're just too busy to hear the Spirit speaking to us. We keep praying for God to come down, do something, and God's already saying, I'm trying to do something. You won't keep still long enough for me to do something. We keep asking God to guide, and God said, I'm trying to guide. You won't sit still and let me guide. Remember? He defers. He is humble. He is shy. He does not force himself. We would like it if God would force us. Just make me do it, God. Make me. Make me. And God says, no, I respect you too much to make you. I'm here to help you. But you got to let me help you by inviting me to help you. And then sitting still long enough to allow me to help you. Amen. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, no matter how depressed and dispirited you feel, you will have what you need to gain courage for your mind and your soul and your spirit. Now, our problem is that we are so dependent upon what we feel. As though the Spirit of God is only present when we feel him. Now, I know I'm telling the truth. I've sat right there in that chair and I said, God, I don't feel you. I don't feel you. I don't feel you. And then I'd say, you know, what is God? Is he, is, he, is he limited by my feelings? Does God exist in me? Or is God a slave to my emotions? Is, it only, is he only present when I feel him? Or is he present when he says he will be present, whether I feel him or not? Are you following me today? See, it's not whether you feel him that determines whether he's there. Sometimes what you feel is a result of pizza from last night. It's not the spirit at all. You can't depend on your feelings. You must depend on the word of God. And God says, I'm sending to you my spirit. He's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. And he's going to counsel you. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your friend. He's going to be your support. He's going to hold your hand. You're never going to be alone. Now, is that true? Or is it only true when I feel it? The preacher had just preached a stirring message about Letting Christ be the Lord of your life. And a young sailor came forward and gave his life to Christ that night. And then he got to thinking about what he had done and he wasn't sure. 
he did the right thing. He ran up to the preacher and he says, you know, I gave my heart to Christ, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can live this thing. I don't know if I can do this. And the preacher reached in his pocket and he pulled out a pen like this. And he put it in his hand like that. And he said, can that pen stand up in my hand? And the guy said, no. He said, yes, it can. He said, watch. He took his hand out like that. Took his other hand and did like that. <laughs> you got it, didn't you? He said, this is how you will be able to live for God. You? Nah. But with him holding you? Oh, yeah. Some of you, you're sitting here today. You look back over your life. You know why you're sitting here? That's why you're here. You would have quit a long time ago. You've been through stuff you would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. But because the Holy Spirit was in you and holding you, you are still standing today. So when Tuesday comes and nobody wants to hug you and sing Come By Ya, you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you and he can sing together. Come by ya, my Lord. Come by ya. When nobody wants to sense any feeling whatsoever to the struggles you're going through, Just remember the Holy Spirit lives in you. Just because you don't feel anything doesn't mean he has left you. He is there. And what did Jesus say? He says he will be with you forever. Forever. And that's why we were singing. God is moving by his spirit. He's moving in you. He's at work in you. Let him. Let him do his work through you. Let him love through you. Let him sustain you. Let him do what he's trying to do you. And you'll be able to say as the disciples said, I feel the spirit of God at work in me. I see the work of God through me. I see what he's doing in my family. I see what he's doing in the lives of my children. If you let him, you'll be surprised at how at work he will be. God is moving by his spirit. 
God is moving by his spirit is because of what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. When he told the disciples, I'm going to leave you, he was talking about the death that he was going to experience at Calvary. And then he said to him, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another friend, another comforter. In fact, that's an interesting little clause in that text. When Jesus says, I'm going to send you another comforter, that means he's already been their comforter, and therefore I'm sending you another one like me. In fact, the Greek word is, I'm sending you another just like what is. And so God is send the Holy Spirit. It would be exactly the same if the body presence of Jesus was here. And he's with you. He's in you. Let him do his work in you. Let him complete what he's begun. Oh, God is moving by his spirit. Moving through all the And wonder when God moves, move, oh Lord, in me. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. 
We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.